All right, welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here again, reviewing the Battle of the Podcasts. Um, I think this must be the fifth or sixth um, edition of uh, the recap of this podcast. I know everyone just keeps coming back for more. Um, today, I got Drew Morris and George Montanez here. Drew is from uh, Common Sense Fantasy Baseball, and George is uh, George is from Bases Loaded Pod, and I think what um, Roto. Um, I do the Roto Rinks uh, pod Roto too, Rinks. mostly on uh, Bases Loaded over there with Mike Mike Curlin. With our, with our friend Mike Michael Curlin, our good our good friend, give him a shout out. If he's yeah. listening, hey, Michael Curland. Um, so, um, so tell everyone where they can find you on uh, social media and all that shit. Well, they can find me at uh, on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. Drew, after you finish taking a sip of your drink, you can. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm at Common Sense FBB on Twitter. Beauty. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me um, on this lovely uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, man. We'll try to be energetic like some of your other guests have been. I think you got the two mild-mannered guys on here. We need to channel our inner exactly. Govier. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect storm here. So we'll you, be, you be Johnny L, I'll be Govier. Yeah, you know what? Let's 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 shock let's shock the daylights out of everyone and, and make this the most like popping energetic podcast. Put on some dance music, someone. All right. Yeah, I was thinking like pairing me and Drew together, like you got probably, yeah, the two most mild mannered, like quiet guys in the group. I'll say something but fucked hey. up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to try to yell whole... everything I say for the entire podcast like a football coach. Okay, Drew, you, right. <laughs> you, you, you try your best to be Johnny L. George, <laughs> try your best to be Justin Mason or, <laughs> or something. Oh, I don't think man. I can keep that voice up. Sorry. All right, let's get let's get right back. Let's get right into it. Let's defend some picks. I'm going to call you guys out. Well, not really. I just want I'm, I want to understand what your what your uh, what your thinking was for uh, on these picks. So let's start with Drew. Let's start with JT Romuto. Now he's going early. He's going early and earlier. And I know if you, um, Drew, you said you listened to um, my podcast earlier today, and and Toby, the JT Romuto guy, said um, I think his quote was, "I think this is finally the year where JT Romuto um, is drafted." Um, at his true value, where his value is, because you, you have um, you have the projections, and they spit out uh, an auction value, and he's he's typically underdrafted with respect to that. But there are other factors to consider when, when drafting a catcher and um, and and your league and your league settings, right? So you took him at the end of the second round, or sorry, yeah, at the end yeah. at the end of the second round. Uh, you're the I think you're the second pick in the draft. Is that true? So the, I had the third, George. Yeah, the actually, th- sorry, you had the third. I should really pull up the draft. Uh, so again. yeah, it was it was probably setting setting a man or close to it. But um, I, I in one way I can completely defend this, and I think you've actually given me an easy one. And in another way, maybe I should have taken a pitcher because it's it's kind of hard to defend, um, you know, not getting a pitcher in the first four rounds as as I did. Uh, we can maybe get to that later. But as far as just JT on the face value, um, yeah, he's a second rounder for me. I mean, he's he's like an, maybe even an early second rounder. Now, if you're going pick by pick and, and asking me who I would take him over, probably the only hitters that, that went before I took him that I would take JT over would be Mondesi and perhaps Machado. Um, and the reason is because there really is excuse me, there really is such a thing as position scarcity. And in a two catcher league, uh, you know, I can maybe do this as a, as an either or, but like 
throw out a catcher uh, going after round 10. Um, or, you know, actually throw out any catcher other than uh, Salvador Perez. All right, and, James uh, McCann. Okay, that's a great one. So James McCann, I actually ended up with him too, and I got him in the 12th round. Oh, shit. <laughs> and so James McCann is, um, I, I like him, obviously, but also James McCann is going to get you about, you know, at best case, I think, you know, 50-something to 60 runs and 50-something to 60 RBIs. JT Riomuto could easily get 30 more of each of those. He could get you 90, 90. I and mean, he's on, he's been on that pace before. He might've even done one of those two, if not both. So the, the point is it, that was the 12th round. Let's look at the other hitters going in the 12th round. Um, you know, and, and since you picked McCann, I'm going to pick somebody I like. And uh, in the 12th round, um, I'll go with Anthony Santander. So he's an out, outfielder, right? Um, if you compare even like Cody Bellinger and Bryce Harper, who were the two outfielders that went in the second round versus Anthony Santander, maybe they're going to have a better batting average. Maybe they're going to steal a couple more bases than Santander. But, but when you look at um, the counting categories, runs and RBIs, they are going to get, you know, the, the very elite of the elite outfielders are going to get maybe 15 to 20 more runs and 15 to 20 more RBIs than a guy like Santander is likely to get. And I'm not going by the actual, you can probably check me, you know, and, and look at the actual projections and things like that. But I think we just kind of all know this, you know, like a, an average outfielder that's going to get everyday playing time is probably going to get 80 or 90 runs and 80 or 90 RBIs. And those elite guys, you're looking for 105, 110, you know, especially for the, the big boppers like Harper and, and Cody Bellinger. And so what you're, what you're trading off is the ability to get your team to that level um, and when you, when you can get those from a catcher. Now, I think McCann is a good catcher. So if you're going to a catcher five, six, 10 rounds later than that, you're talking about a guy who may give you 30 runs and 35 RBI. And so like, that's the, that's the trade-off when, you, when you're taking a catcher early. There's only one catcher that's gonna give you that kind of, those kind of numbers. And um, what I look at is not, it's not like a standing gains point differential, but it's a differential in the counting stats and the other stats that you can get versus the catcher that you're going to pay for later. So, you know, you, you, would you rather have JT Realmuto and Santander or would you rather have Cody Bellinger and James McCann? That's, that's, that's the way I look at it. And, and, and it, more often than not, I think I'll take the slight hit and, 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 if, and get Santander uh, instead of Harper or, Bellinger, if I can get Real Muto. And if you add up the stats, I feel like, you know, whether you use projections or your own sort of expectations, I feel like the math works out. You definitely defended your point there well, Drew. Um, I do have a follow up, however. Um, just um, you took Devers in the next round, right? In, in round three. Is, was Devers, um, was, he, was he your next player off the board, your next hit, well, your next hitter off the board? Uh, there, I, I think I can make a case for almost any hitter in the third round. Uh, I've taken, um, Corey Seager over Devers before, and he went in the, that makes sense. That makes sense. Fourth round. What, what um, I'm getting at here, Drew, before you, before you answer it, and you can answer it after, like, I just maybe want to tell you where I'm leading you towards is why, why, why take JT Romuto in the second round when you probably could have had him in the third round if, and I'm wondering if there was like somebody that really stood out amongst the other hitters, like 
George uh, was picking it between you and he picked Bo Bichette and then Johnny L took t- Kyle Tucker. So if, if you wanted Bichette or Tucker over Devers, you probably could have had one of those guys and JT Romuto, assuming George wouldn't have taken JTR. I don't know what he would have done. And Johnny L just knowing him, I don't think he would have done that. Um, so what, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I think the, I don't want to, to avoid your question, but I think maybe even the, maybe even the better point would be George took uh, Kershaw and Johnny took um, Gallon as well. So, so now, you know, all four picks that went after I took Real Mundo and maybe, maybe those would have all been good picks, but I think, you know, the, the idea of getting a pitcher there would have been real smart. Um, and I, and I probably could have, I don't, I don't know, we, we can ask George what he would have done, but I probably could have had Kershaw and then gotten Real Muto, you know, like that's, that would have been an interesting move. Um, the, what, what I decided was, um, I, I just for full disclosure, uh, Woodruff and Scherzer were the two picks before I took Real Muto and I was going to take Woodruff. I thought he would drop. And then I was going to you know, settle for Scherzer. I thought. Uh, he would drop and then they were all they were both gone and uh while i like clayton kershaw a lot and uh, i like zach gallon to some extent um i I really couldn't justify them there in the second round um and i and i figured you know like if if four straight pitchers go off and i feel like i have to have a pitcher you know i'm not going to lament the fact that i can't get Kershaw or Gallon, if I have to settle for some one of these other pitchers that went next, you know, Maeda, Glass now, please X now, Lynn. I probably would have gone with Lance Lynn out of all of those. But anyway, the point is, like, if I had, if I left the decision open to myself, you know, basically to say in the third round, I'm, I got a pick coming up, four picks from now. I know I want Real Muto. I'm going to go ahead and take him now and then see what pitchers fall. And, the, and honestly, you know, I think all of those pitchers are. It's it's tough it's tough for me to to believe that they're they're really deserving of of those picks. I mean, I, I I've taken Kershaw around that time. I think he's definitely the one I would go with first of of all the pitchers I named. Um, I've taken Zach Gallon in the mid third round, and so I you know I understand that pick too. It's just you know we're really paying up for pitchers, and that's um, that's what's happening in this draft. You, you've seen I think even by the second round we've known. We, we the writing was on the wall that pitching was going to fly off the boards and um i just just to bring my team into it because i picked fifth and I, we were picking in their same range of players i i did get woodruff and he was my only starter and then once we got like you not only uh, took Gakuna, real muto devers and, and marcelo zuna great picks like i love those picks um but you but you also chose to pass on pass on pitching and when we get to the fifth round um I passed, like, I only had one starter and with, with starters going off the board. I could have taken Carrasco and so could you, and you could have as well. Actually, you took, you took Kenyon Rayu there. So, well, I took, I took Ozuna when I could have taken Carrasco. George. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. You, I you, took Carrasco coming um, around on uh, the beginning of the fifth. So yeah, no, my bad. So I couldn't have taken Carrasco. You could have taken Carrasco though there. Um, let, let me go through my fifth pick real quick and then we'll, do, we'll flip it to George because uh, I think, I think that kind of, sort of makes sense of what I was doing early. And, and that's, you know, I got Ozuna with, with the 58th pick, the, the third to last pick in the fourth round. So I thought that, you know, that's probably the latest I've seen him go this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. I got him actually, I think in our league 
last year when we redrafted this this uh, podcast league, and he obviously he crushed it for me. I got him in like the sixth round, and I was I think I had Real Muto as well, so I was just trying to get my team back <laughs> when I won the. You, thing. you wanted to be a keeper league. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That would have been nice. I think I'd be Virgilio. So, but anyway, yeah. so Zuna, I, I, I honestly just couldn't pass up that value. And and I'm I'm not the high guy on Carrasco, but um, but my sort of rough math was exactly what happened after George took Carrasco in round five. I took Hunjin Ryu, and yes, that's that is uh, a step down from most of the pitchers we've talked about. But I don't think it's a I don't think Hunjin Ryu and Kershaw are going to be, you know, 100 or 150 players apart when all the values come in at the end of the season. I, I think it's going to be closer than that. And so what I really feel like I missed out on, I missed out on before I took JT Real Muto. What I mean is what, what I think I missed out on at starting pitcher was already gone when you took Woodruff and then um, – uh, Eric Cross took Scherzer. I think th th to me, those are the, those are the guys who are going to get you, you know, crazy strikeouts, crazy wins, crazy innings, you know, just, just light it up for you. You know, Kershaw is probably in a tier by himself after that for me. And then all those other pitchers are, a, I, I would prefer, like I said, Lance Lynn, I threw him out. I would prefer all those guys above Ryu but, but not by that much. And if I'm getting a hitter like Devers and a hitter like Marcelo Zuna, I'm willing to take some chances later. And I, you know, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, I could have really messed this thing up for me, for myself. But, you know, I feel like I got some pictures with, with volume later and um, I'm just going to hope it comes together. Right on. All right, George, you've been, you've been patiently waiting. Your, 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 uh, your turn to get roasted <laughs> here. Um, so I, I'm looking at your team, and your your team's been a bit of favorite. Not only has everyone been cursing your name uh, because you're stealing all their <laughs> players, but also we had the infamous Mike the Mouth on this show who hates everyone's team, but he loved your team. Well, I don't know. If he oh it, man, he yeah. Um, I, I heard the I listened to that episode. He he picked your team, so he, yeah. he like he, he had a lot of his guys. So um, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if a congratulations are in, is in order or a condolences. I'm not sure. But anyways, I like your team. I like a lot of the specific players that you've drafted. Um, but the one thing that I noticed about your team is you waited on second base for, for quite a while. And I'm trying to, I'm looking at the board right now and I'm looking, Hmm, like, is there any second baseman where like, if I were you, like, I'm just quickly glancing, like where you took Ian Happ, like mm -hmm. you, 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 you just come off from like the last three of the last four picks were Austin Meadows, Eddie Rosario, and Alex Verdugo, all great picks, but all outfielders. And outfielders, what outfield is probably one of the easier positions to, to get. I like Ian Happ, don't get me wrong, but like given the way uh, like you can't predict where the draft will go, like would, is there, is there any, I'm sort of pointing you into that one pick, but it doesn't have to be that one. Like one, is there any place where you would have in hindsight said, okay, I should have got, grabbed a second baseman earlier, or do you like the late ones that you got? Uh, do you see something in Castro and, and Wong? So because I went so uh, pitcher heavy early, I, I took, um, you know, I took four pitchers in the first five rounds. I wasn't all that concerned with position so much as I was concerned with the stats that I needed to make up. So at, at that point, like, you know, I got, Pete Alonzo in the sixth and then, you know, Austin Meadows in the seventh, who, you know, I think could be a really good pick there if he bounces back, like, uh, you know, like I expect him to. I mean, I guess I kind of 
I considered taking um, Altuve there at, at in the seventh where I took Meadows. I ended up with Starling Castro in the 17th. And he was kind of like, I he, for me, was like my fallback guy. Um, I, I actually really like Castro. I, he's not going to like be a league winner. He maybe doesn't have the tremendous upside that, you know, some of the other second basemen have. But I don't know. I think to me, like second baseman is, second base is kind of lacking at that really top end um, talent, like out, outside of like LeMahieu and, and Albies. Uh, you got you got a bunch of question marks, you know, really after that. So for me, I, I, I'm not so sure like how far back like Starlin Castro sets me at second base, just because I feel like he might be boring, but uh, I, I like his situation right now, you know, hitting, you know, in a good spot in the Washington lineup. We saw him, you know, in the second half of 2019, really turn it on hitting over 316 home runs there in that second half. And it started with him. And we kind of just talked about this before we got on and just like how we go about researching our players. And sometimes just like a simple Google search, um, you know, when you're considering a player can really like go a long way. So uh, I, I did like a Google search on Starlin Castro a few weeks ago and found like a, a quote from him saying over the off season um, last year that he recognized he was hitting too many ground balls. Um, and so, you know, he wanted to really work on uh, putting the ball in the air more. And we saw the results, you know, how that, uh, that the results in, in the second half of 2019. And so I, I think that, uh, I, I think there's still good upside there with Starling Castro where he's not going to hurt me. Right. So like you look at some of his projections, like the bat X takes like the stat cast into account. They're really high on Starling Castro. They haven't projected uh, for 22 home runs. Um, and hitting, you know, like 277, I believe. So, and that's most of the projection systems. Actually, all of them have him for uh, 118 games. And given like where their current roster is now, like unless they trade for a Chris Bryant or someone that can come in and like play uh, third base, that's maybe going to uh, squeeze some playing time from Castro and uh, uh, Keyboom. I, right now as it stands like I don't see why he wouldn't be the starting second full-time second baseman Agreed. so yeah I, I just think that it was kind of a safer fallback for me maybe it's boring but I, I don't think Castro is going to be someone that hurts me exactly that's, that, that's a great explanation I like Castro too I've always said that I think that when the first, when draft season first started I think the disparity between Castro and Luis Garcia were it was too tight between them I think Castro was going too late and Garcia was going too early and he's still young, and I think he's going to be a batting average asset. Um, I like everything you said about that. So, yeah, you've completely, in my mind, defended your defended your pick there uh, for Castro. I think that's a great pick. And, and Drew, you said you listened to what I said earlier, and it goes along with one of the quotes I had in, in the podcast I released earlier today. It's just like if you're spending, what was it, an 18th or 19th round pick on, on a second baseman, like – you know, you don't need, you, you only need to get 18th or 19th round value out of him. And you're probably going to at least going to get that. And not all your players in these 15 um, team deep drafts need to be like amazing players. Like it's a deep pool. You can afford to have a player worse than Castro starting at second base. And truth be told, you, you can win like that because I, I've experienced that last year. I was in one of the uh, draft and hold league, 15 teams, my second baseman for the year. I won, I, I won this league. My second baseman for the year was Franklin Barreto. No joke. I, I think I had Gavin Lux and Franklin Barreto. So I think it's way easier to win with like a hole in your offense than a hole in your pitching. That's, that's what I've found so far. Well, and, and, 
uh, yeah, I was actually about to mention that sort of pockets of value concept, right? Is you've got to you've got to go where the value is, and maybe and you know Altuve is a very good call out by you, Zach. But other than I, him, I think it was George that called it out, didn't he? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I said, mentioned. I, um, I, you I was considering Altuve. Altuve. Okay, okay, sorry. So yeah, I didn't want to take credit there. That's a good. That's a really good person to be looking at there at second base if if you were going to go that direction um, instead of Austin Meadows, uh, but. But in general, the second base position is pretty is pretty weak. So unless you're unless you're paying up to get somebody like that at that point that you identified, um, you know, you may be semi punting second base anyway. Like let's say you take uh, mm -hmm. Gene Segura, you know, and you're like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to get my batting average. I'm going to get you know plate appearances, but I know I'm not going to get a lot of power, you know, and and maybe when it's all said and done, other than your batting average where is he going to be a lot better than Castro? And you got him, you know, Segura went in the 11th and Castro went in the 17th. So I see that as sort of the pocket of value concept. It's like, well, I can get a really good outfielder in the 11th round instead of Segura, or, or as George did in the seventh round, and you know, instead of Altuve. And uh, maybe that, maybe he looks at Altuve, I mean, Meadows plus Castro as better than Altuve plus whatever outfielder was around in, 17th 18th round i like all these yeah numbers. it would have been like an alex dickerson marcana which you would probably Something. everybody would probably agree that there's more playing time questions for those guys than for castro maybe for sure. yeah. and to defend the segura pick because I did, i'm the one who did take segura i think he's going to get the stolen bases that those other players you're talking mentioning aren't going to get i think segura is good for at least 10 stolen bases this year his sprint speed is actually trending up. So his sprint speed was like, was like it's going in like a U-shape for some reason. It's weird. Um, but not that, not that I take too much, not that I take that for too much uh, value or whatever, but it's just something. Yeah. And we saw in this draft, like in that range, like the, um, between like the eighth and right there, like where you took Segura, between the eighth and maybe 13th, you saw a really like speed kind of getting pushed up. You see uh, ha Young Kim going early, um, we saw a couple other guys like Tommy Edmond, Andres Jimenez uh, going a little bit, you know, earlier than their ADP, but we kind of saw um, some speed getting pushed up there. Chris Taylor, Nick Madrigal. All the outfielders there too, like on the other side of the board where we, where we weren't drafting the, like the Toby Leody above the side. I think all this, like, like you saw like the, like Buxton, uh, Tapia, Tavares, um, Jimenez, all those guys went um, ahead of slot, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it was like almost like as soon as somebody took uh, Andres Jimenez, like everyone's like, okay, I need speed because you saw uh, you saw Leone Tavares, Victor Robles, and then you see Jimenez, uh, you know, Segura and Madrigal shortly after. So yeah, you kind of saw like a run of of stolen base guys right there. You know, I was looking, I was looking at Jimenez today. Max Max EV was like one hundred nine point five, which kind of shocked me. He's like, it's pretty good. Yeah, that was the wow. same situation with Victor Robles in 2019. Um, his max EV was fine. It's just a matter of how often are you getting to that power and how often are you hitting the ball hard when you hit it in the air. Right. Um, I didn't even know. I didn't even think that Victor Robles had a had a good max EV. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was at least that high. It might have been 110. Anyway, well, uh, you know, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to look at that. Um, it's the Yandy Diaz problem. A lot of guys have power, but it's can you hit the ball that hard when you hit it in the air? And how often are you doing that? That's true. That's that's um 
Interesting you say that. Interesting that you bring that up because I was looking at Nick Madrigal. For some reason, I'm just get, diving into these players for no reason. His max EV was like 112, but then you click on the video and it's him like hitting it like right into the ground. And it's like <laughs> his next high, his next highest exit velocity was like 104, which is like way, way less. So you had a huge gap in that one. For some reason, I think like they, they measured like the, like the, like the, the ones were just like, basically what Madrigal's hit was like, it was a, it was a bouncer up the middle, which like the ball first hit the ground, probably the five feet in front of him. And then it just went through the middle and for a base hit. But like it wasn't like a line drive or anything. Those little ones were like they just hammered into the ground. Sometimes you can get measured at a very high exit velocity. I, so I don't completely trust that. But I think this is like I think we have a good transition for the that pockets of value uh, conversation that we were talking about before we started recording. And then I was talking about a little bit earlier today in my podcast, and I did it myself. Is um, where do you see the pockets of value for certain positions? Um, why don't we start? Well, we, we already talked about second base a little bit. So why don't we go into third base? I know, we, I know, George, you, you mentioned that a little bit as well um, before we started recording what you, what you thought about third base. Uh, yeah, so third base, um, I, I've actually found myself getting a lot of uh, Moncada and Matt Chapman uh, in, in drafts so far this year. Uh, I got Matt Chapman in, in ours here in the eighth. And this kind of goes to, it really played into like my overall strategy uh, in this draft because I started so um, starting pitching heavy. It really, I really made my decision in the fifth round when I decided to go with Carlos Carrasco. Cause at that point I'm thinking, okay, like I'm gonna want a third starting pitcher by, you know, the eighth, ninth round. Like, do I want to take one here and you know, get, get, you know, just go straight hitters, or do I want to take a hitter here and see what falls to me? And at this point, we already know, like, pitching's getting pushed up heavily in this draft. So to end up with Carlos Carrasco as my SP3, I, I was just looking at, you know, like ADP in the sixth, seventh round, and I'm thinking, okay, like, how different is, like, Nick Castellanos, Austin Meadows, Yohan Mancada from a... Uh, Michael Conforto, George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez. Like, I, I really like Conforto and I really like Springer, but like, I also really like Nick Castellanos and Austin, like those guys in the sixth, seventh round and not all of them fell. Like you saw Moncada go in the fifth. Um, but I figured like, okay, there's a lot of guys I really like. I'm pretty sure I can, uh, very confident that I could end up with, you know, a couple hitters that, that I'm comfortable with. So that's when I ended up going with Carrasco. And then like, sure enough in the sixth, Pete Alonso falls to me. And then in the seven, they go uh, Austin Meadows and then Matt Chapman in the eighth. I took eight straight hitters after that. But for me, that's, there's like a, a good pocket of value there. Um, and so I was hoping to get one of Moncada, Hayes and Chapman. Cause I think, I think all of them are pretty good um, values for where at least their ADPs were where Moncada and Hayes didn't end up making it to me, but I did end up with uh, another guy I really liked there with Matt Chapman. So I think it's interesting. You took Chapman there. Um, I kind of second guessed myself not taking him. What, what was that? It must have been like around pick one ten ish around there. Yeah. Um, I I took Dylan Moore, and uh, I've taken some heat from people on the podcast for taking him there. Um, but I guess in my mind, I was just too, I was more concerned with getting a second baseman than a third baseman, even though I didn't have either of them there. Um, but also, I wanted to address my speed there. But I, if I had to do it again, I might have taken Chapman in that in that spot. Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, as long as he comes in healthy, right? I mean, he's still, yeah. Yeah, we're still kind of uh, 
until we see him in spring training recovered from the hip, uh, I guess it's still a question mark. So it's kind of a chance that I'm taking there, but uh, I think, um, yeah, I mean, we still see him putting up the, the big power, uh, power numbers. So yeah, I think it's a, a bit, a little bit of a risk there, but uh, yeah, I really like Chapman. Yeah, no, me too. I think that, I think that was a good pick. Um, what I've about Chapman too? And I, and I, and I completely agree with your general point as well, George, just that the, that is a pocket of value for these hitters who, as long as health and everything else hold, holds up, the hitters you're getting in the seventh, eighth, even ninth and ninth round. Uh, I don't, I don't think they're a lot worse than the hitters going in like the fifth round. Um, exactly. Yeah. You, you know, I, I've actually been kind of, uh, you know, unimpressed by what I could, I was, that's why I was so excited to snap up Marcelo Zuna at the very end of the fourth round, because it, at the late fourth round, early fifth round, I'm just not in love with these hitters. I'm just not sure that, Trent Grisham, Teoscar Hernandez, these guys that are constantly going in like the early fifth. Uh, I, I, you know, I might yeah. rather have Matt Chapman straight up in some ways. I mean, I, for one thing, yeah. he's a third baseman, you know, like that. <laughs> there's a there's a sort of a dearth of, of third baseman in, in there for a while that I can really trust. I mean, could Brian Hayes win in the seventh round in this draft that to a smart drafter, you know, and that shows you that there's really there's a, there's kind of a a, a no man's land for that. And I think Chapman should be going in it. You know, Chapman's going like two rounds too late in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I go ahead. Go ahead, George. Oh, I was just going to say, um, like I, I got uh, Eddie Rosario in the ninth round. Great. Pick. And to your point, Drew, like Eddie Rosario could be, you know, pretty much the same as like a Nick Castellanos who went in the sixth, right? Conforto, like Fordo who went in the fifth. Right. Yeah. So I think there's just a, a big range of value. And that's really what, like, that was really the reason why I took Carrasco in the fifth. And at that point, every, like, you know, I got a lot of questions, like, where are you going to get your hitting? Like, where are you going to get your offense from? Like, okay, well, like, I don't need to take another pitcher for now another, you know, 10 rounds. And just for the listener, who's not looking at the draft board, um, for one thing, you can go, oh, I unpinned it. I, I can pin my, my tweet back to my profile that has a link to the public draft board if they want to see it. But but my point is, George did exactly what you have to do if you if, if four of your first five picks are pitchers. He got Pete Alonzo, Austin Meadows, Matt Chapman, Eddie Rosario with his next few picks, and then some other good hitters after that. But I mean, that is, that is how you do it because he's locking in those at-bats. I mean, you have to get guys with volume at that point. And yeah, they're not going to be quite as good as the hitters he could have gotten in the first round or the third round mm -hmm. or the fourth round, but they're, but they're guys who are going to be in the, their lineups every day. And they're, most of them are four category contributors. So I, I think you really knocked it out of the park with your, um, if you want to call it a recovery from drafting four pitchers in the, <laughs> the first five, five rounds, I think, you know, whether you planned it or not, you, we all, we all got thrown some curveballs with this draft. Right. And you mentioned that you mentioned that um, there's just so much value for, on, uh, on the hitting side in those rounds. Um, does that uh, now either of you, does that, does that indicate to you that there might be a pocket of value for pitching early? Like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that there's a value, like a pocket of value. Can I'll, I'll, I'll say what I, what comes to mind, you know, while George is thinking of what he wants to say, but like, I mean, what, what I've thought a lot of times is, maybe you do have to overpay sometimes. Maybe a pocket of value isn't so much a, a value per se. It's just a pocket of, I got to get this here. You know, like maybe you have to get a pitcher in the first couple of rounds or you're going to be a little bit behind. Uh, unfortunately, where George and I were picking second and third in the first round. So 
uh, you know, 14, 13th and 14th in the second round, we didn't really have any of those ace pitchers come back around. Um, you know, he got Cole in the first round, which would have been my pick if, if, I, if I had had the chance. Um, and I took Acuna because you get to take Acuna at three, you do it. But I mean, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, there were 10 pitchers or something off the board by the time I got to pick again. And so, you know, that's, I, I can tell you right now, I, I didn't get to set my uh, KDS for this one, but I'm going to be setting it. And about the last picks that I'm going to have in my KDS are going to be like one through maybe one through five, one through seven, because there are, you have, you know, it's not necessarily to say that if, if you get uh, 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 Woodruff instead of Manny Machado that you've gotten a value. It's more just that you may, that, that's your only chance to get that kind of a pitcher. Right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. George, you guys, do you think? Do you guys think a lot of people, a lot of people are saying the outfield, um, you can wait on outfield and, and corner infields. Do you believe that those pockets of value are later on for those players? I think first base, definitely has a pocket of value has has the has the deepest or latest pocket of value in my opinion even even further than outfield um from what from what i see what what about first, you? did you say first yeah, base um, yes yeah, so i said first uh, base has the has a latest pocket of value in my opinion agree i i just want to follow up uh with drew on on the last question about the pitching and it's just it's so like unconventional right in, in fantasy baseball to see like pitching get pushed up so much um, but it's all relative, right? Like it's uh, alluding to what Drew is saying, like it's all kind of relative. Um, so like, yeah, if there's, you know, 10 pitchers going, you know, in the first two rounds, well, there might've been what, no, um, 12 pitchers. Let's see. One, two, three, uh, it, it's all relative four, six, though. Right. Seven, I mean, eight, nine, 10 pitchers, um, went off the board by the sixth pick in the second round so in other words 10 pitchers were off the board before bryce harper or cody bellinger and then two more (laughs) went off so there were 12 off the board when i had pictures when i had the 28th pick uh yeah so yeah yeah i mean i guess you know back to zach's question from a long time ago if if i'm looking at devers versus any pitcher i could have gotten after that maybe let's take lance lynn just because for some reason he's jumping out at me as as my last real chance at a innings eating horse, right? Um, is, 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 is Lance Lynn going to provide more value at the end of the year than Rafael Devers? I would say probably not if, if you're just like doing a, a player raider type value. However, is he going to give me something that I can't get later? Whereas like, if, if, if you tell me, who'd you take in the third round, George? Kershaw. So if I could Kershaw. have Kershaw and Matt Chapman instead of Devers, and uh, who did I get in the eighth? Well, Charlie Morton. That's a pretty good example. I mean, that's it's it's an interesting one. I was pretty happy to get Morton there, but 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 most of the time, I'm not going to take an eighth round um, pitcher in exchange for that. You know, I I think that that's there's 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 an opportunity there that you just don't have again for locking in some stats that you're going to need. And um, hitters, you know, not saying Matt Chapman will play like a third round hitter, but there's a chance. One thing, one interesting thing about this draft is to put it in perspective how much this hitting gets pushed up. I, I've taken uh, Ozzy Albies in the second round before this year. I've seen him go in the early second round. I've seen him go, I've, I've been in a draft in the NFPC where he went like 18th overall. Somebody, somebody took, somebody went Bichette Albies on the turn um, with a late pick in the draft. Now in this draft, 
22 pitchers went before Ozzy Albies. Yeah. That, 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 puts, that puts in perspective how much of a commodity the starting pitcher was in this draft. So, you, yes, you do have to go with the draft, right? Just, just humor me for a second. In the fourth round, you saw Starling Marte, Alex Bregman, Corey Seager, Randy Rosarina, Jose Abreu, Ozzy Albies, and Marcelo Zuna. I mean, none of those guys should make it to the fourth round. That's, no. <laughs> that's, that's, how, this, that's how this draft was. I mean, p- players that I've seen go in the second round, and I think I even took Corey Seager, you know, at pick 30 once. I mean, th- th- those guys were going in the fourth round. So, um, yeah, I-, I completely agree with that, and I love the Albies pick. I would have yeah, taken Ozzy Albies pick was, in my opinion, a gift, but, like, not to say anyone did anything wrong before that. Um, I was I, – I, I, I passed on a zoom in the fourth round, and what, what, was I, what was I thinking here? So <laughs> what I was thinking was Hendricks, right? That's, like, like this year – it's just such a, it's, you don't know how, how easy it's going to be to get saves. Yes. Like right now it's super cloudy, but like once you, you figure that these situations are going to um, unfold and you're going to know eventually, um, I guess in a league with waivers, if you, if you, or if you hammer enough relief pitching in these drafted holes, you'll, you'll be able to piece them together. But I don't know how the saves, um, market's going to be and how teams are going to distribute those saves so anyways that's a long story short um i don't think i'm, I'm not terribly concerned about that but i passed on azuna and i took hendrix there because there was just a bunch of outfielders there like i like if i if i took hendrix i could have i if i and if i did want to go with an outfielder like azuna like how much am i losing um ozuna versus grisham t oscar springer well springer i think springer is the answer there over grisham and t oscar personally but i was about to say you yeah. got you took hendrix but then you got springer in the next round so you can't be too yeah. upset about that I, mean, could be right. I like that a lot and then your blue jays signed him so i mean what yeah. more do you uh... double, <laughs> double bonus but going back to grisham you were you were sort of um pouring a little bit of cold water on him earlier. I think he's a guy that could lose the most if uh, the DH is not in the NL, because not only does he, he leads off. So if he, if he leads off, he's going to, um, he's going to lose a lot of stats having a pitcher in front of him. I think I, I heard someone today talk uh, on a podcast. I forget what it was, but they said, if, if there's, if there's an NL, if there's no NL DH, Mookie Betts loses 20 runs off his projections. Um, I think it was Zimmerman who said that Jeff Zimmerman, I think. I don't want to quote it for sure. I would think but, you would be more likely to lose RBI. So would I. So, so would I. But anyway, the point is, even if he bet, even like, because during, um, so he's, he's going to lose some sort of counting stats if there's a pitcher in front of him, um, right. Christian. But he's also, he bats last versus some lefties. So that means he's yeah. going to be batting in well, front of the pitcher in those situations. So he's like double fucked um, if there's right. a DH. And like, I don't know. I can, I never, I like Christian. I've drafted him, but I don't know. I'm, not getting the warm fuzzies about him being like a fourth or fifth round guy, um, given yeah. the other options around there. George, what do you think of Grisham specifically? I, I don't really know that I have a strong opinion. My only thing is that the Padres are kind of turning into a Dodgers situation or Rays situation where they, they don't have to play everybody every day. Yeah, I think you guys uh, make really good points. And it goes you know, really back to my thoughts about just the hitters in this range in general, where I'm... I'm thinking like, well, I'm, I'm comfortable just taking the hitters in the sixth, seventh and, you know, securing my pitching here uh, just because I don't see a huge difference. And yeah, I mean, you guys make some good points about Grisham. He's not someone I would have particularly, uh, particularly been targeting here. So yeah, I, I'm not really too sure 
what to think there. I do think, like Zach said, um, he probably loses a ton of value if there is no DH. We can keep harping on this all day, but I, you know, again, I'm going to agree with George. You know, the eighth, ninth, tenth round is where it's at. You know, his, his teammate Will Myers went in the late tenth. Um, you know, he could give you uh, Trent Grisham-like stats. Toby got Byron Buxton in the late ninth. I mean, these guys aren't quite as likely to give you the the Grisham line, but maybe not. I mean, they, you know, Myers could hit a lot more home runs than Grisham. I mean, we there's. There's no, you really just want guys with playing time. And I don't think Grisham's is locked in enough. And I think some of these later guys, you know, might just be just as locked in as he is. Yeah. Like I took, I took Ian Happ in the 11th round. Like I know Ian Happ is going to lead off every day. Great example. Um, You know, he. Similar skill set too. Yeah. I mean, he could. Exactly. Similar skill set. He's going to hit about 250, uh, maybe 260. Um, and he's, you know, he's got the power and he could probably steal, you know, 10 runs, but I know he's going to lead off in that lineup every day. And Ian I got him in the 11. You took Ian Happ, uh, Solaire two picks later, Andrew McCutcheon later that round. I mean, like you can get these at bats and that's what you really need. Um, you know, the, the upside, especially in a draft and hold. I mean, this is, this is the draft champions podcast guys. You know what you're listening to. We're not talking about, you know, if this guy doesn't work out, you replace him later. Like you're, you're playing your fourth round pick. So he better live up to the, he better, Mm -hmm. he better pass muster. Yeah. He better pull his weight. Um, So uh, what I want to get to with you, Drew, and I guess we can, we can turn it into, we can, we can end off talking about players you're avoiding. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about the, some avoids, but before that, I wanted to talk to George and ask him about jumping players in this draft, because you became sort of famous for, for jumping players and everyone was, everyone was cursing you and saying you're taking the guys, <laughs> but you have, in these drafts, where do you, when do you start, I guess you're always thinking about it, but talk about um, knowing which players to jump and when to jump them and sort of how, sort of what happened to your team as a result of that later. Yeah. So um, I didn't really start jumping guys until I think uh, about the 12th. I I think everyone before that, I kind of took either right around their ADP um, or maybe even a little bit after um, their ADP. And so I, I ended up taking Ahmed Rosario in the 12th. And so once I got into that range, I didn't really care so much about where guys were going to be going. So uh, as much as I thought, like, who's going to fit my team. Um, and so w- when I get into the 12th and, you know, Bo Bichette at that point was my only uh, middle infielder. And uh, I get into the 12th and I see where speed has been pushed up, you know, prior to that, I thought, well, even though Ahmed Rosario had like a 380 P next to his name at the time, it was shortly after the the trade and everything going down. So I thought, no, like any one of these guys could, could be thinking the way I'm thinking, like I need to take Rosario here. And it was just, it was just what fit my team more than like, you know, what's everyone else doing. Andres Jimenez had gone two rounds earlier. So you're saying if that, if if he's already been off the board, I think um, that will play more. And if I'm, I was just looking down like the, um, uh, the the player the the players that are available and I thought okay like I, I need some speed here at this point um, I could use a little bit of batting average and and personally I, I think Rosario could bounce back a bit to um, like his 2019 level even if he just does that and hits like you know 280 and you know 15 15 I think that's still like a really good player here in the 12th so at, yeah at that point I'm thinking more of like what fits my team versus you know 
what, who does everyone else like and who do I need to jump? Um, like another one that actually kind of like backfired on me a bit was Alejandro Kirk in the 15th. Uh, so like, you know, I needed a catcher and I, I really like Kirk. Um, it's kind of questionable now, given the moves that Toronto has made. But like Kirk was one that I really pushed up where I just looked at my team and I thought, okay, I've taken an Ian Happ. I've taken a Joey Gallo. I've taken a Pete Alonzo. Um, I've taken a Matt Chapman. Like I, I need some guys who can give me some batting average. So, you know, I get Alex Verdugo and um, Eddie Rosario. Um, and so I thought, well, I think Alejandro Kirk could really help me out there. And if I miss out on Kirk, like I'm going to be pretty disappointed because he's someone I think like at this point, he can really help me in, in batting average from the catching position. And so that was my thought process there was like, okay, he's someone at this point, I don't want to miss out on. And he fits my team. Like if I pass him here, like I'm not picking again for, you know, another 20 something pick. So, you know, anyone else could have a similar mindset and, and, you know, grab um, Kirk here. And this was again, before Toronto's moves. So I mean, it was up in, you know, it was, it was reasonable. I thought it was reasonable that somebody in this next round could, could take Kirk. And so that's where I took Kirk there. I really jumped him up at, at that point. But again, it, it was more of what fits my team and what do I need as opposed to like, what do I think everyone else is going to do? Well, for Toronto, if, if he went, he could still win the job over Jansen. Jansen hasn't been good. So yeah, it's a little bit tougher for him to get DH um, um, at bats, which is sort of the fallback. And that adds to his value, but he still could be, he still could be their best catcher. Can but I, yeah, obviously, obviously his value does take a hit. Can I, can I ask a question of George? Cause like, so that was going to be my, if, if Zach, you know, pitted us against each other or whatever, Ahmed Rosario was going to be my, my pushback on your draft. Not well, this is, let's do it. Not necessarily because of the uh, of where you where you took him. I mean, uh, you know, could you have gotten him later? Maybe, but that's not really the point. The point is, you know, is that a value where you're where you're taking him, um, and is it really what you need? I mean, do you do you feel confident he's going to get the at bats? Because that's what I would be worried about. And um, you know, I took Didi Gregorius a couple of rounds later. Also, Paul DeJong went uh, the round after that. And I just feel a lot better about the at-bats from those guys. And, you know, uh, I think both uh, – I, I like the Alejandro Kirk pick um, to some extent, especially it's a little bit risky, but if he you – know, you're not going to find that upside elsewhere. So if somebody takes Kirk, you're not going to go back to your next highest upside catcher. There isn't one, right? You know, like, right. there's really not any upside to catcher at that point. So I, I get it, but, but I think it might work better for a um, – you know, a redraft or, or, or a non-draft and hold league where you can, you know, make up for that with a fab pickup at some point if, if need be. Yeah, yeah. I, I might have been I might, might have been better off taking like a Buster Posey um, or even like a Yachty Molina, you know, um, who n- neither one of them are going to hurt me in, in batting average, right? They uh, can help a little bit there and I know they're going to, you know, play a lot. So yeah, yeah that one. Volume. That my, my question hinges on the volume, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because I think he was your one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He was Ahmed Rosario was your eighth hitter, and then so Kirk. You took you took Gallo, which I think is a great pick in between there, and then Kirk was your um, tenth. And you're probably also thinking, well, I just took Gallo. I got to get some batting average. Exactly. So I, I, I get it. I just think you know one of the I mean, maybe even more so than like 
categories like stolen bases or home runs or, or even batting average more, more so than that when i'm looking at it in a draft and hold is volume and at bats and and so the guys that are any any slight question and a medrazari i would definitely put in that category i'm, I'm kind of avoiding so i think that was zach's next question for me and so that's 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 one of my answers about about what i avoid in a draft and hold all right let's yeah go. i oh sorry go ahead no i was just say let's get into some avoids yeah, let's do it. What we, sorry, what were you going to say, George? I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that's a good point about Rosario unit, right? Like that could really kind of come back to bite me. But for me, like it, it not just the role, I, I still buy into the skills that he showed um, leading up to 2019. He was kind of showing um, some improvement. So we'll see. I mean, we still have... Um, you know, we still have some time before the season starts. They can move him or... Yeah, they're talking I, I about like training, gonna, turning around. Right, they're already... Around. Yeah, yeah. And hey, if he does go to Cincinnati, then all of a sudden that looks like a really good pick right there. So we'll see. Cool. I would hate that, by the way. Um, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> if, if he does go to Cincinnati. Um, so avoids. Um, before, um, I, um, I, we were talking before we started recording about the, um, Casey Cha. He's an NFBC player. And what he does is he, he basically eliminates like 80% of the player pool before the draft even starts. So for what he does is he does the legwork behind the scenes and for whatever reason, uh, I'd love to know the, the thought process, but he eliminates a lot of the player pool. I, I do that, not to that extent, but I have a bunch of guys that I just won't be having because I've, um, you, you, you analyze the players and you analyze where they're going. Like you want to find the pockets of value and you want to sign, you want to find similar profiles later. So finding a very, very similar profile a lot later or just not liking something about a player's sustainability or um, but just the player, just the player has warts, too many warts or where he's going it would cause me to eliminate a player. Um, do you guys have any players uh, that you just are, are out on? Um, maybe we'll start like, we'll start in the, like in the first, in like in the first like 50 players or so, and then we'll work our way. If we can work our way back. Um, I'll tell you like right off the bat, I can tell you, I'm not going to have any Darvish, any Scherzer, any Maeda. Those are three guys just, it's not going to happen for me. I think those are injury good. risk, age, lack of uh, Maeda, lack of track record to go where he's going. Um, I just, I think the risk involved with those players, there's just, even if they are slightly better than players that are going around where they're going and their upsides higher, it's not worth it for me. I'm not going to, not going to screw myself over by passing on them. And Denelson Lamette, you could probably add, you know, he might be a little after. Yeah, he's, he was on my list too. But uh, he was yeah. later on. I don't know where he's going. I'm pretty much right in line with you, Zach. In those first like four rounds, that's really what you're trying to secure is, you know, that stability, um, mitigating your risk. And I think the injuries are a big part of it. So I'm, I'm right there with you as far as avoiding um, the guys who are even questionable at this point or have a, or are starting to build like that track record of, of injury. Like we've seen, um, you mentioned Scherzer, even possibly somebody like Blake Snell. Um, mm -hmm. You Burns. Burns? I always think of it as like hard avoids versus soft avoids. Like if, if um, Blake Snell is there in the fifth round, probably not going to happen, but you know, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but Lamette in our draft uh, dropped to the ninth <laughs> round and I passed him by in the ninth uh, for Ramon Laureano, who I have a hundred percent exposure to, but yeah, um, that's a good one. How many drafts have you done? Uh, this would be if this if this was an actual DC, this would be my 
either sixth or seventh, and I have okay. six so or that's, seven. That's players, quite a lot of exposure uh, to Loriano. Loriano's really good. That should not be one hundred percent exposure to a player like even in the top. 200 is a lot, I think. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've actually been doing the opposite um, in the first few rounds. And that's one reason I took Devers. I just, I didn't have Devers anywhere and I wanted him. So, <laughs> but, right. but no, back great. to the avoids, back to the avoids thing. I, so I don't, I don't have any, let's, let's just look at pitchers, right? So I'm actually, I'm actually soft avoiding DeGrom and Beaver because I just, why, why take them in the middle of the first round when you can go a few, few picks earlier and have Cole? And it, the obvious answer is Cole might be gone, right? But if so, there's a lot of hitters there that I really love. And so where they're going, I'd much rather have Turner or Story or Jose Ramirez and then get a Brandon Woodruff in the second round. So that's kind of a soft avoid for me. Um, I think you're more asking about the hard avoids. And I, I'm so with you. I will not have any of you, Darvish. He may be amazing. Uh, I, I just don't trust the health. He's getting older. There's just, he's been injured. You know, there's, he's been injured some, he's been not great some, you know, and there's just, uh, it's too early in the first round. So there's- I've been on record last year to avoiding Darvish and, and that was, that was the incorrect play. Uh, but the, the, the difference this year is that you're paying full right. price for him, regardless of like injury risk or anything. Like you're not, right. you're, you're not getting anything like by passing on it. You're not losing anything by, 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 by passing on it. Exactly. If you can have Nola or Bauer or Giolito, I mean, you're not, you're, those, those could all end up being better, even if Darvish stays healthy and plays every day. So I just, so, but again, it's a soft avoid because I mean, if Darvish is there in the fourth round, I'm probably taking him. So uh, everybody has their price. True. Um, yeah. If like I'm just saying, like realistically, we're living in a in, a, in not a fairy tale land where Darvish makes it to the fourth round. And my guess, my guess is that would be the same for Casey Cha, and that's that's sort of the world. That's sort of what we're talking about here. Is like if 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 somehow he's he's on the board in the fifth round, and um, you know one of the guys that he's crossed off that's a first rounder is there, he's he's probably not ignoring that. But yeah, I, I'd make that assumption too. Um, so we talked about Lamette a little bit. And I think people are getting more, they're, they're sweating bullets more and more ever, every time the, uh, the Padres sign someone like Musgrove and Snell and Darvish. They're like, okay, well, hmm, doesn't yeah. seem like you're already, you're already worried about Lament. I think everyone's, this is, I'm not saying anything that, uh, that anyone already doesn't know, but um, look at it. But I, I don't think people are talking as much about Kim and then Profar both those guys could pen. They're talking about. I know Profar can play the outfield. Uh, Kim, they're talking about being able to shift around the diamond. I didn't like Tommy Pham to begin with. I didn't like him last year because he was injury prone. I know he plays through his injuries. He's getting older. His asset is stolen bases. He's getting to that age where they're going to decline. Um, he got stabbed at a strip club, and he's. I heard that he's like trying to sue someone because of like severe injuries. And they're adding all these players like. Fam, I'll just know that. Fam's my guy. Fam's like my like. Who has a guy? Who has a guy that they're just out on? Like Dave McDonald must have someone. We got to mention his name on a podcast because he gets mentioned <laughs> in every podcast. But, yeah. but like, who's Dave's guy that he's just out on this year? It's probably like, he's probably like an old pitcher. Like, call he talks to me a little bit about this. He's actually he's actually out on Degrom, but like, I guess maybe that's not a good example because like he would probably take him if he was there in like the late second round. But like obviously that's never going to happen. So he will have zero shares. So, so you call it his Scherzer. Like Fam is like my guy that I Scherzer too. Like I don't think I, I don't think I would take Fam around pick two hundred. 
You'd probably take him in the yeah. 20th round, though. I mean, everybody's got their price. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I would take him. At, yeah, for sure. I would take him in the 20th round. I, I think what we're identifying is, like, misvalued players. We're players that we believe are misvalued, right? Right. Yeah, and the this San Diego situation is – it's a really good one for this. I mean, even, like, Jake Cronenworth, right? Like, they've got so many guys. I feel like it, it goes to their offense and their pitching staff where somebody's going to be a value is just who, right? Like, how's it going to shake out? Like if we're, if we're fading Tommy Pham because we think he's going to get hurt, like that just means somebody is going to like, like, whether it's Trent Grisham or if it's Kim or Profire, like somebody's going to get that value. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard, especially this, at if he's this hurt, juncture, yeah. like, you know, what if he still gets 450 plate appearances and everybody else does too, you know, it's, yeah. it's really become like a soft avoid on the team, which I've kind of done on the Dodgers in the past, you know, it's just like, I don't know how to trust that the playing time is going to be there for the player that I want to draft, you know, it might, somebody else might be, end up being the 550, 600 at bat guy. So who are some avoids for uh, some other avoids for you, like in the in that range where like Lamed and Fam are going? George, um, let's see, like um, Strasburg, Strasburg's one uh, that I'm just not gonna have any shares of. Um, just for me, like I, I don't know too much. <laughs> I don't know if there's so much, uh, you know, history with with the the surgery with the carpal tunnel, but. Uh, he's just one that I'm, I'm just, for me, it's just unnecessary, like risk. Um, yeah, maybe there's upside, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. Um, Stanton is another one. Giancarlo Stanton. I'm not touching. I mean, same, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like for me, even if he falls like a few rounds, like, like if he's sitting there, like in the 14th or, or 15th, like for for me, I'm still, it's tough because it's like, if I think he's going to, if I'm really not confident in him staying healthy, like that's still going to be a wasted pick. Schwarber went in the 14th. You want Schwarber or Stanton? I'll take Schwarber every day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I took it's a Joey Gallo of, in the 13th, right? It's kind of like the pitchers too. It's like, we're talking about these players as if like Strasburg is a perfect example. If Strasburg, if he tells me he's, he's going to get 180 innings, I'm pretty sure he's going to be good. But like, that is so remote a chance to me. I'll take a pitcher who might get that 180 innings and I know won't be as good as Strasburg, but has a higher likelihood of getting those innings, you know? And that's kind of the same thing with, with Stan. He could be way better than Schwarber, obviously, but I don't think he's going to play every day. I, th- I think he's going to get hurt at some point. I think something's going to, you know, he just always yeah. has these nagging injuries. So I think that's a good call out too. What about, a, well, I was going to say, what about an, a hitter, but you just said several. Um, I got, I got a list here. Um, just for, okay. Madrigal. He's a guy that like, I, I don't think he has any business going where he's going. Um, he's going, where like, is he going? Is it, he went in the 12th in our draft. Is I think he's going around like pick 170, but like, he's a, he's a rabbit. Like people learn, like people learn their lesson with Malik Smith and stuff like that. At, he's going to get you average and stolen bases at best. He's probably hitting at the bottom of that lineup. Why is he, I don't understand that. Like, uh, like I'm sure there's math behind it, obviously with Roto and the, the value you like, I don't even, uh, like, the only thing I can think is that people are people are hoping for like a 350 batting average, and they're they're really thinking that they're going to give up something and get something in return. So what you're saying is that people are, are drafting him irrationally. <laughs> I, I think if so. You're yeah. hoping, if you're hoping for a 350 batting average and you're drafting him based on that, you're you're 
you're acting like a crazy person. So here's the thing I realized, and this is why I keep harping on the runs and RBIs, because everything else you can kind of, you can, you can find a guy who's going to have, you know, a limited playing time and still hit 30 home runs. You know, you can find, mm-hmm. you can, in other categories, you can find things like that. It really, the only way to get the runs and RBIs is to find volume, find guys who are going to be in the lineup every day. And, um, you know, I, I probably, I don't know, um, you know, uh, Malik Smith or the, you know, the rabbits, like you said, I mean, those guys have a very, very bad track record and um, it's because there's no power there. And even the guys that hit with a good average, you know, like Lorenzo Cain's a good example. He used to get you a decent amount of runs, but even in some of his best seasons, he would, he would, his RBI number would be like below 50, you know? And it's just like, I can find somebody else that maybe doesn't do all this other stuff, but the, I guess I, I looked one time and, you know, like, you know how um, people will post the 80th percentile number you need to get to in, in those categories. And so it's like 1100 or, you know, 1050 or something like that. Um, if you take out catchers who you know aren't going to get you much or you count two catchers as one player, you have 13 hitters to get you there. So you're needing like 80 something RBIs and 80 something runs from every player in your, that you're going to start. And Madrigal is going to hurt you so badly that now you're going to need somebody that gets like 120. And then if you, you know, maybe one of your catchers uh, isn't playing every, I mean, you're running out of chances to even get there and you're dropping, you know, that's, that's, those two are categories that you can drop out of, you know, out of the middle part of the standings into like the, the really hurting uh, situation really quickly. I don't know how well I describe that, but I think both of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So another guy that I'm avoiding is, um, well, I'll give you, I'll give you two pitchers, two more pitchers here that are going like in around the same range. One is Patrick Corbin for, I think, obvious reasons. Um, I'm avoiding for the same reason other people that aren't on him are avoiding him. Um, Velocity and like, he's like losing some other underlying metrics that are more unfavorable last year. Um, But another guy that might be more interesting is Sandy Alcantara. Um, and I'm not, I'm not hundred percent on this. So, but I'm just, I was talking to some, some smart people offline about this and like, so just something doesn't sit right with me with the Marlins, uh, like how all of them just got so much better in that short sample size. Like you got Alcantara, you got Eliezer Hernandez who did really well. Um, uh, Pablo Lopez, like he's a guy I believe in. I, th- I think he's legit. Um, just, just for other reasons, but, um, but he also did really well. And then six Sanchez, like he didn't improve because obviously it was a top prospect. So, of them, like Sixto and um, Pablo Lopez, like I think that's more more legit in my opinion. Um, but it does it does breed more smoke to the fire. It does breed more smoke to the situation um, that, like, I'm worried about team like um, teams with like homogeneous trends like for, within the team. Like everyone's going in the same direction. Like um, to put it in perspective, like Cubs, Cubs hitters, like they all tanked. Pirates hitters, all terrible. But Josh Bell, Reynolds, like all-time lows. So like there must have been something in terms of their matchups or something. And I'm not like a hundred percent sure on this, but with the Marlins, I'm like, I'm trying to I'm trying to dig into this. I'm like, what's what happened here? Like a lot of people are in on Alcantara for good reason for innings, but um the only thing I could find was that over the last two years I looked at runs allowed and earned runs allowed. He was, I think it was four of his 22 runs that were that he let in were were earned so he had eight eight like essentially it was like 30 over 35 percent of his runs were un were unearned 
And you know that all those unearned runs aren't always like bad luck. Like sometimes you like give up a home run after an error and that's still you doing, you do right. doing bad pitching. So that he has like the low, he has like the, the lowest percentage of, of um, earned runs over runs in the last two years. So I don't know if you like that sort of grasping at straws. I understand it's not like a traditional metric that people like analysts look at, but I'm just trying to find out. I'm just I'm, like, it's enough for me to sort of be out on him at his, at his price and just get something else that's similar around him. Yeah. When you're really, you know, dissecting these, these pitchers, like in, in this, this area and stuff, I mean, I think that's a really interesting wrinkle that you bring in um, here with uh, Alcantara. So uh, no, I mean, I, like you said, may, might not be um, a traditional, you know, stat or metric that we, we look at, but I mean, anything you could find the deeper you go, I mean, I, I think it could only help right in your decision-making. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not going to hang my hat on this, but it's just right. something else. Like if, if you're already a little bit skeptical of like the skill set, then it's just a little bit, a little bit of something else there. Um, one, one thing about pitchers in that range, um, which I, I guess is like what seventh round or so something somewhere in there, sixth, seventh, eighth round. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like, you know, it, they're, we're, they're all what we have deemed the likely ones to take the next step. Right to make the Shane Bieber leap, you know, when he was going there in 2019 and then he returned ace value. But I think so few of them do. We also get a lot of like Nick Pavetta's in that range. And like last year, I'll give you a great example on early drafts last year. Um, I got Brandon Woodruff in some drafts in the eighth round, but I also got Frankie Montas in some drafts in the eighth mm-hmm. round, you know? And so it's like, you're the eighth round. That's nasty. Yeah, it was, it, well, this was like in, you know, November or something. I'm a degenerate like you, Zach, so I'm drafting all year. Right. But, um, but, but the point is like, and, and those guys were going by the fourth or fifth round by the end. But the point is these guys in those middle rounds are not yet aces and we're hoping they can be. And, and maybe Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara put it all together. But if you look at them both from, from 2020, even, even in the short sample, I mean, they weren't aces i mean they had pretty good eras but that, i mean they both had uh one point they actually both had the exact same whip 1.19 which is which is good uh you know but it's not you know max scherzer or or um, shane bieber or garrett cole you know um those guys are turning in sub one whips and that's and they're anchoring your staff with that and they're getting close to 200 innings in a regular year and so um you know these guys did a lot of good things. They, they upped their strikeouts. They, um, they kept runs down. They went deeper into games, which is one of the big things for me, but they're not there yet. And, and some of them will eventually get there, but I think it's fewer than we think. So I, I think it's a good call out just for, just to try to avoid pitchers in that range. I mean, obviously George did a good, a good job of that. Cause he got all those pitchers early. Um, I, I usually like to do that, do that too. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of avoiding all those pitchers that we're hoping take the next step. Right. Cool. Um, so any more, I got more, I can, I can keep, keep going. Oh, you know, I got, I got, I got, I got to mention this guy just because like he's, he's, he's a huge avoid for me. VR. Yeah. VR is another one that I, I was actually going to bring up just someone who, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't even have a team yet. Right. And, and, it really where he lands is really going to affect, you know, how much he produces. Like 
I almost want Jonathan VR to go to a bad team, right? Because at least on a yeah. bad team, you, you know, he's going to play, um, you know, if he goes to the Dodgers where they could play him at third base now and then, or, you know, or second, like I, he's not going to play every day for the Dodgers. Um, yeah. It might be a better team context, but I might just prefer him on a bad team where I know he's going to play every day. So that one, yeah, that's one that I, I'm kind of not touching right now. And, and he might even like, he might even get traded, but maybe he gives you value for half a season oh. and okay. You, you put his, you know, 15, 20 steals in the bank, whatever he gives you. And then he gets traded. And just like last year, right. He got traded to Toronto and all of a sudden he did nothing. Yeah. You know, I, I barely, I'm from Toronto. I barely remember him there. <laughs> exactly. When, yeah. when we got him, I didn't even like, I wasn't even excited. Like, why were we getting this guy? I actually traded for him in another league when he went to Toronto thinking like, Oh, this is awesome. And uh, I watched some of the games and he's just so bad on the field. Like they couldn't play him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, they're definitely, they definitely couldn't use him this year. Yeah. No, you guys are spot on. I mean, he had, he got a hundred and four at bats in August. Am I looking at the right thing? 104 and then 69 at bats in September slash October. So that's, that's what happens if you're not an everyday player and you get traded to a good team, you know, or you don't right. deserve to be an everyday player. David Price go in our draft. Let's nice. look at him. He went kind of late in our draft, right? Mm-hmm. He went in Toby, the 14th. Toby got him in 14. Toby took him in the 14th. So what is that? That's, is that, that's early 14. So what's the, what's 13 times 15? 165. No, wait, 200 and 205. 205? 195. <laughs> I'm just going to keep guessing. Okay. No, it's, it's 195. One, okay, so, okay. Well, who else is going around there? You could have Mike Soroka. Like, I, I'd rather have Mike Soroka um, than, than Price. I know... Like, yeah, Soroka dropped really late. Price is like 35. Um, well, yeah, you're true. Okay, Soroka went really late too. John John Means too, I guess. You know, he's. I'd rather have Means. I'd rather have Heaney. Um, I'd rather have Devin Williams. I'd rather have Strowman. Um, just because, like, what's Price going to do for you? Like, a he might not play. Which well, well, let's pull some other players into this conversation because I think it's a very good point. We, you know, when when a player hasn't played in a couple of years, you don't know what they're going to do. He's old. So, he's old. so um, Tyone. Uh, your boy Corey Kluber, um, you know Sale. Sever- I got Severino in the thirtieth round in this draft because because everybody said no thanks. You know I don't want a player that I'm not going to have until probably June, for a good reason. July. But it was a thirtieth round, you know. And so like, what, it's really hard to me to figure out what to do with these guys because it's like four, like four fifty. Because I wouldn't have expected Toby to do that, but I mean David Price in the fourteenth round, if he's right is a steal. And maybe he felt that he needed to do that because he didn't have many pitchers yet, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm not going to argue with your Kluber pick at, at the point that you got it. Isn't, am I thinking of a different league or did you get Kluber here? I got, I got Kluber here. Okay. So it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of in a draft and hold, I avoid all of these guys as much as I can. And, you know, I'm not going to turn down Severino in the 30th round, but um anytime that somebody has not played there's risk involved you know uh, how are they going to come back are they going to be healthy i mean the yankees think kluber is healthy I, you know yeah i think like price going in the 14th it, it really 
like it also depends on on what you have at that point like for that team in particular uh price was the sp4 and just given who um toby took as his sp3 with drew smiley now you've got your sp3 and your sp4 who are big injury risks right like you don't know what you're gonna like how much you're gonna get from either we saw some obviously we saw some really good skills from drew smiley last year but it was in a very small sample and again like you don't know how many innings either one of these guys are going to give you. I think that's really risky, but if it had been like, maybe you take um, uh, like a, a Dallas Keuchel um, and pair him with the David Price. And now you, now you know you have some volume and you can feel a little more comfortable taking someone like David Price. Right. Um, it's a catch 22 because it's like, on the one hand, if you're in those rounds and you only have two pitchers uh, and you take guys like Smiley and Price, you're getting a lot of upside, you know, that you probably aren't going to be able to get later. So if you feel like you can fill in the, I think uh, like in round, you know, 39, Toby got Brett Anderson, you know, and he got, he got these other guys. He did take Keiko. Yeah. But I mean, like later in the draft, he got guys that are probably going to pitch, you know, every time in the rotation and they're, you know, they're going to get you some volume, not terrible ratios. It's just a matter Mm -hmm. of that's, that's uncomfortable for me. You know, I, I would much rather have a pitcher pitching staff like George has honestly, and just, you know, get your volume up front and not have to worry about finding guys like that later. But I mean, I kind of did the same thing because I didn't have a choice. I didn't get any pitchers in the first four rounds. So I did sort of like what Toby, I think I've heard Phil Dussault talk about this. And I took, um, after round let's see, 30, I took one, two, three, four, five hitters after round 30. So everybody else was a pitcher. A lot of them were relief pitchers, but I mean, I was just voluming my way to having a, you know, a hope of finding a, this year's Adam Wainwright, you know, somebody that I can stick in there and get the innings that I need, get a few wins. But I mean, I, I'm going to have to get lucky on some of those picks because I didn't get. Um, yeah, some of those picks, a lot of those picks are relievers too, though. Yeah, that's true. But not all of them. Like you got, like hopefully, fires can be your Adam Wing, right? Um, exactly. yeah, I kind of did a similar. I kind of did a similar thing. Chris I was, Anderson. I was pretty heavy um, pitching near the end of my. Actually, George did a, George as well. Look at mm-hmm. all the like, look at all these teams. Like man, like you were like, you were seriously into pitching near the end, Drew. Well, the thing is, you know these these hitters that you're taking down here, of of all the hitters taken after round forty, there may be one you know, not even real difference maker, but like one like Roman Quinn or Tim LaCastro that somebody's that somebody spikes in there that's going to help you in a category. I really don't think there's going to be, you're not going to find the the Louis Robert or the, you know, you're not going to find the uh, the Acuna, the, the, the Tatis in those rounds. I mean, those, those guys are, you know, hopes and dreams. And, and so I, I just, try to get my pitchers, you know, I'll take a lot in the, in the twenties. Um, like you were saying, Zach, you know, you can get a lot of good first basemen that are going to play every day, uh, you know, between round 20 and round 25. Um, I really love and was jealous about um, uh, Matthew Davis's Colin Moran get in the 24th round. I mean, that's, that's, we're talking almost pick. This is, this is like pick 350. He's you were also Matty Woods. Carlin Moran, but not my pick after his in the 24th round. 
Your pick was Brandon Belt. Okay, well, see, I don't think Brandon Belt's going to play every day, though. Okay, fair, think, fair, fair point. He has a better lineup. He might he might have more power. I mean, maybe he has a better lineup. The Giants are terrible, too. I don't know. I, I just feel like Colin Moran, why are they not going to play him every day? Who's going to take Colin Moran's job on that team? He uh, might be the best I, player I, on that I, team. I think he's, a, he's, I think he's a steal. <laughs> I, I'm in another D.C. right now, and I'm, I'm, I actually – I don't know how I did it, but I boxed myself out of first base. Like I don't have, like I, 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 I passed on a, I passed on a first baseman in, um, you know, these late rounds around, like as we're approaching 400 and they were dropping still. And I've now I'm boxed out. Moran was like the last guy left. And now who's left? Um, Let's see. I'll tell you guys. George did a good job of this too, by the way, George, I really like the Eduardo Escobar in the 21st round. I mean, that's a guy who was going in like the, 12th round last year uh Colton Wong same thing you got him in the 24th JBJ I mean he's too good in the field he's gonna play I mean you're just you're just locking up playing time and plate appearances I mean even if those guys aren't absolutely everyday players they're gonna I mean you're drafting good defenders who people are gonna want in, in the lineup as much as possible so in the 24th 25th round I mean that's 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 valuable so I mean yeah, I mean, that was so I was just gonna say that was my uh, that was my thinking exactly there with uh, like Escobar Wong um, JBJ was just playing time at that point. I'm just looking for playing time. So I'm going into round 28 in my draft right now, and like I'm looking at 28 around 28 on our board. Is there any first baseman that I like around there? Actually, they're pretty much like late 300s. They pretty much dry up because like top mm-hmm. guy on the board here is like fuck. It's like. Fuentes on the on the Rockies. What do you guys think about Fuentes? Just selfishly because I'm going to draft right now. Um, <laughs> his exit velocity shit. Um, like if you look at it, like his stat cast, it's like for being in college. I don't think we have enough sample size to know. Eh, I don't know how many at bats did he have. He had uh, less than 100. 98 at bats. He hit 300. He does look, you know, a bit of a slap hip slap hitter. Just from I'm looking at his stat cast profile, you know. His max exit velocity of 103.9 is yeah, that's what incredibly I'm low. Not good. Um, what do you guys think about, like, I guess, for, like, regardless of that Fuentes by himself, what do you think is going to happen in Colorado? Or Arenado's gone, so he's playing third base there. That's another uh, soft avoid yeah, for I, the whole team for me. Like, like I should, yeah, I should no know idea. better by now. Yeah, what do you do I, with I mean, him, George? Like, Rockies in general, hitters. I, I, who can you really trust right now for playing time outside of Trevor, Trevor Story, Story and Charlie Blackman, right? Like yeah. uh, that, that one's tough. I mean, yeah, you got Josh Fuentes there and um, you know, you did see him, he did hit 300. I, it was a really high Babbitt 406, but you know, Coors will inflate that Babbitt. So maybe. I guess, he, I, you know, I'm looking I think at they're his gonna, graphs now. He has, he, they he could, has, they could ship Blackman off too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're still gonna they're still gonna be making some moves. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in like um, you know, uh, Renato Nunez. Like yeah. CJ Crone. CJ Crone would rake there. That would be fun to watch. Yeah, a Crone or a Nunez. I think either one of those guys. I think you're gonna see yes. maybe someone like that, like on a one year deal, come in for Colorado. That's yeah, I could see that happening. That's a really good call. That's a good call. I like that. That's why it's just so hard to trust teams that are that much in flux at this point. So Hilliard's penciled in for what it's worth on roster resource in center field. Who do you like of all of, of Hilliard, 
Hampson, McMahon, Brennan Rogers, those four players, rank them. Uh, George, if you, I'm going to put you on the spot. You had to. Uh, okay, that was Hilliard, Hampson, McMahon, and Rogers. Yeah. Well, I guess right now I would put McMahon number one, just because I feel most confident in his playing time. Right. Um, and then, and then I would go Hampson, Hilliard, and Rogers. Okay. Drew. I, I honestly don't know what to think about this. I, I agree about McMahon. You know, that's the only one that I would even consider drafting and it would have to be pretty late. Um, I just, it's so sad. I was just like, how are the Rockies going to yeah. screw this person out of playing time? You know, like, I don't think, I think somehow, even though he, there's no one blocking him, McMahon, I mean, um, Hampson's going to end up with like 400 at bats or, or less, maybe 300, you know, just because it's just what they do. And um, Hilliard, same thing. Uh Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope, hope they let him run because it'll be fun to watch. But uh, and then who's the last one? Oh, <laughs> Brendan Rogers. They've been trying to keep him in the minor. He's going to be like a 40 year old minor leaguer. At some point. <laughs> it's gonna, it's just, yeah. And, and they got uh, Ian Desmond coming back, right? I'm sure. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he's their type, right? Like they're, they're going to give him 700 plate appearances somehow. <laughs> he's going to play two positions you know how much FOMO I'm going to have if CJ Crone signs in Colorado and I have no shares of him oh my god yeah if one of these guys even even the, like uh, I mentioned Renato Nunez like someone like that in Colorado sure. oh my god yeah but, but the thing is they won't get full prank playing time yeah yeah, uh, yeah maybe <laughs> I, mean, I don't know I don't know I don't trust anything I, I'm, I'm with you I, I, I just I would much rather Avoid the Rockies and just sleep at night. That's what I like to do. That's it's, it, that would have been that's that's been a good strategy so far if you if you've used it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think like I do like Raymel Tapia. Okay, uh, I, I've been meaning to ask you. Like, what do you think about him? Did I did I ask it already? I think I, I was talking about it before. Like, I dra- I just drafted him in a draft that I'm in that I'm, the same draft I'm in that I was talking about. But he like. I don't think he's going to get you home runs. He's not going to get you many RBIs. Like, is he just like a rabbit, like sort of like a, a souped up rabbit type of thing? Like I think we're avoiding like the Malik Smith, D Gordon types. Like, isn't he only like a notch above that? Like, why are we so enticed by it? Well, like you make a good point. I mean, how, I think for where he's going, I think he's fine. Um, we know that we've seen him, you know, make some skill uh, growth over the last couple of years. You know, he hit 321. I, I think I'm pretty confident in him leading off, at least going into the season, uh, leading off and, you know, being pretty much an everyday player. Um, I think he's going to give you a good average. And honestly, like, I think it could be Nick Madrigal, right? Like he could be Nick Madrigal with a little bit more power. Like he's not going to be like, he's not going to hit double digit home runs or anything, but I think he could, like, he hit nine in 2019. I think nine is a, is a pretty good number. Um, and that's yeah. not a zero. Right. So actually, actually really like Tapia, at least for where he's going. Like, I don't think he's could be much, I don't think he's going to be much different than Nick Madrigal and, and he's going much, much later. Right. Um, yeah. Like, um, he had one home run this year. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, are we so confident they're not going to platoon and, and mess with him like they are with Hilliard? Like, what's really the difference there? Like, if Hilliard, like, I know the, I know the hitting um, staff, like the hitting coach loves um, Hilliard there. And they see, they see a lot of, um, I read an article going into last year, and that's why one of the reasons I was so in on Hilliard last year, which ended up screwing me. Um, 
they said that they he reminded them he was a really smart hitter and that he reminded them a lot of Charlie Blackman and that he was able to his swing was able to get to those high pitches really well as a left-handed hitter and they 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 just sounded like they were in love with him um, and it, and I knew that if he got the time if they, if they gave him an opportunity and he ran with it and he was good then like he'd be he'd be so good that you're not going to take him out of the lineup but he, it, it's just a matter of getting to that point and I don't, I don't know if they're ever going to get that to, get to that point with him. Well, far be it for me to question the Rockies hitting coach, but it doesn't <laughs> seem like his swing is getting to the pitches. Uh, he had a almost seven percent strikeout. Hey, rate. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying, I, I am I am very skeptical about Sam Hilliard. I mean, it's just it's it just doesn't appear to be happening. And you know, granted, we're we're talking incredibly small samples are all that they've trusted him with. But I, I would be really surprised if he just jumped in, got everyday playing time, and then hit like 270 and just took off from there. I just I don't really see that um, in, 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 in the sample that we've seen so far. It could, it could happen, but uh, um, there are reasons to doubt that that will be the outcome if he, he gets more playing time. Well, might as well end on a down note then. <laughs> Let's end this podcast on a down note. ruin the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> No faith in Sam Hilliard. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what to think of that. But man, I, I mean, it, it's been fun talking with you guys, just going all over the board, bouncing around different, different subjects. I mean, yeah. Uh, the, thanks for inviting me on, Zach. This, this has been fun. And the whole, you know, the whole group, the whole basis, lo- or I'm sorry, a basis, <laughs> um, the podcast, Battle of the Podcast, yeah. right? The whole, the whole group has been awesome. So I'm glad you joined. And um, I'm glad Drew, the, the, um, the reigning champ, Drew Morris, of Common Sense Fantasy Baseball is, is back. Um, so again, thanks you, thanks uh, to both of you. Why don't you just uh, one more time let, let everyone know where they can find you um, and um, follow both of these guys. Well, first, just thanks for having me too. And I really enjoyed being on him here with George because I was one of the many people who the whole time were going, darn it, George, you took my guy. So you definitely belong <laughs> in this league. And I think uh, that's definitely a compliment. I was wondering why no one ever said that about my picks. So, uh, you know, maybe that's a bad sign, but uh, we'll see. I, I still plan to uh, somehow pull out a repeat here. All right. Well, like I said, up top, you can find me on Twitter at Common Sense FBB. And uh, thanks again, Zach. This league is going to be a blast. Hopefully. Hopefully. If you, if you, if you go back to back, I don't know what that says. Now you can find me on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. You can find my written work over on Fantrex HQ and uh, you can hear me over with Mike Curlin on the bases loaded pod. And now <laughs> I'm looking forward to all the trash talking as we're, you know, going up and down the standings all year. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope it's one of those leagues where like it, 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 the trash talking doesn't stop after the draft is over. Sometimes you, it, it just stops, but uh, our league chat is never going to end. We're going to be doing no. that, you know, five years from now, we're going to be on that. <laughs> just yeah. continuing the trash talk. I hope that I, I would do this draft live one year if uh, as soon as um, everything's safe to oh, absolutely safe to travel. Yeah, man, let's do it down in Vegas, baby. All right, Heck yeah. All right, take care, guys. Thanks, Zach. All righty, All right. see ya.